In the year 1992, Bill Clinton was elected president. Microsoft releases Windows 3.1. Jason's life has changed forever with the release of Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. Woo! I was in Pittsburgh attending the Art Institute. And the rest of these yahoos were probably still in diapers. The films of 1992 on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer boys and girls <laughs> welcome to another outrageous episode of attack of the killer podcast episode 202 202 episodes <laughs> well you really look stuck on that one you just are you surprised are you that's uh, a big number it is um and this is where we're going to be talking about the movies of 1992 just, just a lot of twos oh okay yeah it's a lot of twos uh why did i choose this year i had a reason but i completely forgot <laughs> are you serious <laughs> yes. i was gonna ask you <laughs> oh there's no reason yeah so I, oh what i thought it was because of that but not yeah but okay never mind okay i'll cut that out <laughs> i had a, there was another reason anyway um Otherwise, I would have picked movies that took place that were dusty. I don't know. Uh, if you are a first-time <laughs> listener to our show, welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Now, what is Attack of the Killer podcast? It's a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together. We discuss our common love, which is horror movies. We pick a topic. We discuss, discuss films within that topic. And we speak freely and openly, so there may be spoilers. So consider yourself warned. Now, if you're digging our show... I bet you'll love the other shows on our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. So first off, I just want to say congratulations to the return of Gore Score, the Gore Score podcast. The Gore is back. Score is back. Woohoo! Welcome back, Yo. guys. We've missed you. But we are we also want to mention that we're we have included a new show to the network, Bigfoot for Breakfast. Now, Bigfoot for Breakfast is a research-based entertainment podcast that is dedicated to the exploration of anything of the mysterious nature. They cover everything from conspiracies, UFOs, cryptozoology, and so much more. Sarah Jones and Samantha Carter are the hosts of the show, and they're sisters with over 10 years' experience researching the paranormal and are ready to share their knowledge with you. So check out Bigfoot for Breakfast and all the other shows on the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Now, you can find the network by typing into your little computer machine, thepfpn.com. Thepfpn.com. Oh, God. <laughs> now, do you want to help support the show? You know I do. Well, nah. let me help Damn. you with that. Become a Patreon supporter today. Go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP, uh, and you can check out our various tiers to choose from and get all kinds of great bonus content. Like what? Well, you could get our all-new, cool, sweet-ass black t-shirt. <laughs> it is sweet-ass. Bonus episodes, special videos from each member of the show, Insane Mike's one-minute top ten list, 
the greatest show it's on the interwebs. Too long. <laughs> and even more new content coming very soon to be announced. Ooh, I'm assuming we're exciting. not announcing anything yet, right? Not yet. Okay. Soon. <clears throat> now, so do it. Yep. Go to patreon.com, AOTKP, find your tier, and become a Patreon supporter. Become one of the attackers. It really helps the show. We'd appreciate it a lot. Yes. Please. Before we get started, it's time to mention our sponsor, Shudder, the Netflix of horror. Shudder is the online streaming service for everything horror, lots of classic horror films of all eras, horror series, amazing Shudder original content. Shudder is awesome. It is. I promise you'll love it. Sign up today, Shudder.com, and if you are still not convinced... Then I'll tell you what, try Shudder for free for a month on us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Just enter, pro, enter our promo code AOTKP and you will get all the glory that is Shudder for free for a full month. Damn. Yes, check check under your seats. Everybody has a promo code. <laughs> you got a promo code. Yeah. And you got a promo code. <laughs> Everybody gets humpback whales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Holy shit. Now it's time to introduce everybody to the podcast crew. A mulatto, an albino, a mosquito, my libido. Jason Bollinger, everybody. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> How's it going? That was what? a beautiful introduction. Hey. <laughs> I wrote that myself. Um what? Much like President Clinton, he didn't inhale. Dad good, everybody. <laughs> Don't compare me to a Clinton ever again. <laughs> um, as he always says, there's no crying in podcasting. Andy Wassum. Oh, yeah. I totally inhaled, dude. <laughs> and lastly, our very special guest, Emily from the Beauty and Scream podcast. Woo! Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm well, excited. Oh, good. Yeah. Why don't we start off and just have you tell us a little bit about your show, the Beauty and Screen podcast. So it's, I don't really know. We just kind of talk about creepy stuff. I don't know. Cool. So we like, creepy um, stuff. like last week, or well, this episode that's coming out, we did... Um, horror movies based off of true events so then we like went in depth about the true story behind it um we've done like spiritual communications the ouija board all kinds of stuff so fun i'll say the the latest episode on the ouija boards is really interesting just because uh as someone who does not believe in ghosts or anything there's something that still bothers me about ouija boards and it seems that it's a to me, a very common thing. Like a few year, a few October's ago, we set one out at the Capitol Theater for people to like play with while they're waiting for like a go- like a theater tour, and people would not touch it at all. Like no, I could not get anybody to get near the thing. Mm. And it's like I, I just I bought it off a shelf, you know, or ordered at Amazon, and it's like it's so weird that people are just so terrified of them. So hearing the history and hearing your findings on it uh, was interesting because I I'm not touching it so. Yeah, I mean, we haven't always had the greatest experiences. Like, we had something come through that told us to look up, and I said, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. So, but nothing really bad has ever happened. So. Well, that's good. Yet. But mm-hmm. I have, like, mass amounts of sage. So, like, <laughs> I'll just, like, bathe myself in sage. Cool. <laughs> I had I had one hanging above my door that said you know you know because it said goodbye you know so like you know you're leaving <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> I ended up selling it you know I turned a profit but yeah. Was it an old one or something? It actually was an old one. It was uh, from the from the sixties. So sweet, nice. Yeah, the one that I have is from nineteen seventy two. The one, the one, the Oracle. The one we have has a what's the what's the piece called that moves around? Planchette. Oh, planchette. planchette. The planchette. You could put batteries in the planchette and it'll light up. So, excuse I me, Evan. I'll take a lot of stock in the Luigi board. <laughs> <laughs> tried to get the tried to get a wife to get the Stranger Things one, but you know she wasn't having Ooh, it. Ooh, yeah, that'd be cool. I when I was in junior high, I had one that the planchette glowed in the dark. Nice. Yeah, but. I'm not allowed. Well, I wasn't allowed to have them in the house because my grandma's convinced I'm talking to the devil. <laughs> so. Well, you sort you're trying to, right? I mean, that's the goal. But I mean, if it happens, cool. Right. If he's the one that's listening, you know, can't help it. <laughs> and now, all these years later, you're on Attack of the Killer podcast, and you are talking to the devil. So <laughs> <laughs> we should give him 30 days worth of shutter. You know, maybe. He'll- <laughs> If you get on your uh, Ouija board and use the code AOTK. <laughs> I don't want to know what that's going to be. Oh, flames. All right, so I'm going to turn it over to Tad now. Tad? Okay, let's get right into what we watched, where we talk about what we watched that's not on this episode. I'm going to go ahead and give Mike a break and throw it over to Jason. What did you watch? Uh, okay, um, I, I haven't. Not, none of these are horror movies, sadly. Um, I can't remember if I talked about this one last time because it seems like it's been a while. But Long Shot. You didn't. Oh my god! This movie is so fucking awesome. It's like my new favorite is, movie. I could watch it every. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen and. Uh, Charlie's. Charlie's. I couldn't believe how funny it was. I and you know me, I'm a sucker for love stories, and it's so good. It's such a good little romantic comedy. I can't believe those words came out of my mouth. I hope I'm not fired <laughs> from the show. I didn't, I didn't love it, but that's okay. Oh, I loved it. I could. I want to watch it anyway. Um, and then I watched the two popes. That was I. I was unsure if I, but by the end, I, I really did like it a lot. I think yeah, I figured it was, with at least two of them, there would be more kids in it, but not a single kid to be seen. <laughs> oh, the funny guy's here. All right. <laughs> I, I did watch it. It's amazing. Netflix put out like a little featurette that shows how they did it because you're not the inside of the uh right sistine and all sistine chapel's never been photographed or like you're not allowed to film there so it's all green screen so uh they just put like a 
two hundred year old Anthony Hopkins in front of a green screen and told him he was. They just probably told him the fucking pope, and he's like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> what?" I'm guessing you didn't like that one either. All right. Oh, I I thought it overall. I mean, for a po- a movie about two popes, it was pretty good. But I sort of knew what I was going into. You know, <laughs> they, it wasn't going to be a fucking you know mind blowing. Action spectacular. Yeah, there's no car chases in the. It wasn't going to be like Double Impact where there's two Van Dams, you know. Right. No, it's should have been. They should have marketed it. It would have been better. (laughs) Two popes. I haven't even playing both. And then speaking of pair ups, the next three were just kind of on TV, and I watched them. Um, Dumb and Dumber, fucking one of the fastest comedies ever made ever. It's interesting. Brandy and I were talking about. The Fairley Brothers just uh, just a couple days ago. Like uh, I haven't watched me myself and Irene in forever. I think I'm gonna pull that one out. I was I remember being unsure. I mean, myself watched and Irene the first time. I don't know if I've gone back. Mm. And then they had Men in Black, Men in Black Two, back to back on, and I and I the first one classic, obviously, but I don't know. I mean, Part Two was very. It didn't seem familiar to me at all, so it was kind of nice to see it again because I liked the new one too. I like them all because it's me. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Rosario Dawson was in it, like young, yeah, you know. And uh, I liked it. It was good. That's what I watched. Nothing too crazy. Cool. I've never seen the third one or the new one, so uh, me neither. Oh, me neither. Yeah, they're totally good. I've ridden the Men in Black ride at Universal like a million times. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> do you remember? Do they once or twice? Do they like wipe your brain at the end of the ride? <laughs> the very end of the ride does have a big screen and it has Will Smith and he's like, uh, you know, you you all been trained now, you know, forget about it or something." And he flashes a little thing. <laughs> awesome. Like, like all the '90s rides are very. They have a, a screen at the end. Like the the Mummy has Brendan Fraser and he's like. I told you to get me my coffee or something. Really, the one weird one-liner. It's very nineties. <laughs> and then I'm, kids are I'm, kids are probably so confused. They're like, "Who are these people?" Right? <laughs> how do they not? How do they not get sued if Will Smith flashes you at the end of the ride? Okay. <laughs> Talk about fresh. You've prints. all been strained. Big Willie style. <laughs> Bounce with me. Bounce with me. Oh. Okay, Andy, you just uh, <laughs> got yourself picked. You go next. What do you watch? That's fine. I don't give a shit. Let's go. Um, <laughs> isn't it old Andy now getting all oh. angry? Get off oh, his no, lawn. I'm not angry. Uh, you don't I'm give a shit. Left. Get off his lawn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nobody wants to walk on my lawn anyway, guys. <laughs> all right. Um,. First up, I went old school. I went VHS, and I watched the original Legend of Boggy Creek. Woo! And, uh, it was it was okay. I mean, it's it's uh, as uh, Brian Clark called it, Sasquatch ploitation, <laughs> uh, Hicks ploitation too. I mean, to me, I mean, there wasn't. It pretty much, you know, it involved like a lot of nature shots and stuff like that, with like soothing music, and then every now and then you'd like catch footage like eight millimeter footage of like a star wars cosplayer walking through the um (laughs) forest but i mean i I can say i've seen it i mean i didn't hate it i just you know it is what it is uh supposedly it's based on a true story like on the texarkana border which is 
which kind of piqued my interest because that's the same place, the same, well, area vaguely where uh, the town that dreaded sundown also happened too. So, yeah, no, I don't think a Sasquatch, you know, you know, dressed up like in a gunny sack and, you know, killed people with a trombone, but, uh, you know, like cooler crossover. Yeah, absolutely. You know, didn't Joe Bob do this one on the first uh, marathon on Shutter? Yep, and that's when I saw it for the first time. It's with Joe Bob's commentary. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's on Shutter anymore right now. Nope. Anyways, go ahead, Andy. Um, I also watched uh, Terminator: Dark Fate, Ooh, and good? Uh, I thought it was a really good action movie. Yeah, uh, I liked it. Uh, I, I'm kind of shocked not a lot more people went to the theater and saw it. Uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's got Arnie and, uh, you know, Sarah Kama, she's back. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just really good. I mean, uh, there was a, there's a heck of a lot of CGI in the beginning because, you know, they have to make this kid look like, uh, <coughs> Jake Furlong did back in like 91, 92. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, you don't really have to follow the Terminator timeline, uh, too closely with the other movies. You don't have to need to see Genesis or Salvation or Rise of the Machines or anything like I would recommend watch the first two films and then watch this one. And then it just makes a, makes a better storyline in my, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I recommend you guys see it. I think you, I think you guys would dig it. Um, I also watched, uh, Jane Silent Bob's, uh, reboot. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, for, <laughs> for what it, what it was, it's, uh, it's good to add to the VSKU collection. As long as you don't have Jersey Girl or Tusk, we're, we're, we're in, we're in business. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys, but you're a fan some. of yoga hosers. Uh, I haven't seen that. And I don't, and I don't want, and I don't want to. Um, yeah, just, this is, this is more of like a, uh, you know, tip of the cap to what made us fall in love with, you know, Kevin Smith in the first place. So, uh, yeah, you guys have already kind of touched on it. So what's that? And I watched three documentaries, uh, because I dig documentaries. I watched, you you turned 40, so you, it's required. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, how many forty just references? Count that into the ground. Just, just bring that jam. Twist the, the knife. I get one episode, okay? <laughs> uh, it's okay. I'm I'm old. I'll probably forget it by the end of the podcast. Um, I watched uh, the documentary on Tower Records called "All Things Must Pass." Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. A great, yeah, good one. depressing. Yeah. Oh my god. Doc. Yeah, it's it's really a bummer. It's 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 really bittersweet, but it's awesome to hear about you know the inception and all the you know kind of all the party partying these guys did in you know, the early days of Tower Records. But yeah, it's it's really really good, and uh, I. Definitely recommend that if you guys, if you know any of our listeners or attackers haven't haven't seen it, uh, go out and watch All Things Must Pass. Directed by Colin Hanks. Yes, Colin yeah. Hanks. Um, I also uh, picked up a DVD that I had never seen before, and it's called Schlock: The His- The Secret History of American Movies. And they, it's got. When I looked at the back, it said, you know, for 
Forrest J. Ackerman is in this, Samuel Z. Arkoff, Peter Bogdanovich, Roger Corman, David F. Freeman, Dick Miller, Harry Novak, and the chick who played uh, Vampira. And they talk about, you know, uh, nudist camp movies and Herschel uh, Gordon Lewis. You know, they talk about Blood Feast. Yeah. uh, I mean, of course, you know, Dick Miller, you know, he talks about, you know, Bucket of Blood and Roger Corman touches on all of his, you know, very, very low, low movie, low budget movies and how well they did just because they were just they were marketed and they were, you know, basically it's the story about the birth of exploitation films. And it was very, very uh, interesting. I don't know how else you're going to see it unless you own the DVD, uh, but yeah, it's it's it was really really uh, eye opening, you know. And they they talk about the nudie cutie movies and the roughies and most of the roughy movies, which involved you know women kind of being you know smacked around. I was just like, man, this is you know because I I get squeamish you know around that kind of stuff. But I mean, and th- the weird thing is, uh, a lot of them were directed by this woman named Doris Wishman, yep. which is yeah. I mean, it was it's very very. Very interesting stuff. Um, and the last one, uh, I just got done watching today. And you can watch it on YouTube if you're a cheap bastard. But I bought the uh, DVD because I like physical media. But uh, it's a film from 2004, and it's called Edge Play. It's a film about the runaways. Ooh. And uh, it's really, really good. The only drawback on this is that Joan Jett is not in it. Uh-huh. They talk a lot about Joan Jett, but uh, Vicky Blue, Cherie Curry, Lita Ford, Jackie Fox, uh, Carrie Chrome, Sandy West, Susie Crotto is in it, and that piece of shit Kim Fowley <laughs> is in it, too. And if you thought this guy was a fucking prick in the movie, the stuff that they reveal about him in this documentary will make you glad that he's fucking dead. You know, and I know I shouldn't say, you know... Well, people should, people say you shouldn't, you know, talk ill about the dead because they're not here. But you know what? You, but you know what? <laughs> fuck that Hitler's guy. dead too, and fuck <laughs> him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if if you're like a '70s rock rock fan, and these these women were, you know, freaking trendsetters, uh-huh. and they did it when 15 years old. Uh, I highly recommend this. It's uh, Edge Play, a film about the Runaways. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, just sit down and watch it, and uh, you'll hear, you know, from you know what what they're doing now. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, Sandy West has passed away because this this was released in 2004. But uh, yeah, you will absolutely think that. Uh, yeah, Kim Fowley is a giant puke, even though uh, <laughs> Michael Shannon did an awesome job as yeah, him in did. the movie. But, uh, yeah, it's I highly, out of all of them, I probably recommend Edge Play and Shock, the, you know, and, well, All Things Must Pass. <laughs> all three of these are really, really good documentaries, and uh, I will shut my long-winded old-ass up, Tad, and you can pass <laughs> Quick trivia, trivia time. Quick trivia. He's talking about Roger Corman um, and the hundreds of movies that he's produced and made. Um, there's only one that he ever lost money on. Anybody know which one that is? No. I did um, one time. 
Oh, uh, it's the probably the uh, the first, the very first uh, Fantastic Four movie from night uh, from <laughs> night, night, that piece. They couldn't even get it made because they spent too money on the thing suit, right? So it doesn't. Well, count, right? the, that was that whole thing was made just to hold on to the rights. That was never intended to be released. Um, and it's awesome. Man, yeah, way. it's I, awesome. I, I, uh, um, there's a cool documentary about that. Uh, it's on yeah, okay. um, Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, and it's called Doomed, uh, <laughs> the making of the Fantastic Four movie. Definitely check that out. It's it, it's it's interesting and crazy to think because they interviewed Lloyd Kaufman in that doc. Because at one <laughs> point, the guy who owned the rights went to Troma to see about making a Fantastic Four movie, and Lloyd, being so self-aware of who he is and what his company is, turned it down because he knew they couldn't pull it off. Do it. Yeah. Um, you know, so he turned down that money just because he couldn't, he knew he couldn't do a good movie. But no, the answer to my trivia question is a movie shot in the late 50s um, by Roger Corman himself, starring William Shatner. It's called Intruder. It's like one of the mm. very few films that Roger has ever made that isn't an exploitation or a genre picture. Um, and it was the one that lost money. But then again, it dealt with like, um, it dealt with the way black people were treated in the South. It's like black man that they're going to lynch in this uh. small Southern town. And then Roger Corman thought that he could market this movie in the South. So, yeah, and so uh. no wonder it lost money. The South in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, no wonder the movie didn't South do well. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, I'm done. Back to you, Ted. All right, I'm gonna throw it over to Emily. What did you watch? Um, so I watched Wolf Creek. That's a good one. Oh, oh. Yeah. The the movie, oh. right? Because there's like a series now. I think. Yeah, oh, yeah, but I did not think it was that good. <laughs> yeah. It made me really mad. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like the lead was so dumb. Like she. Did a lot of stupid shit, and I was just mad the whole time. <laughs> Probably more, uh, that's interesting, like, to hear it from a female perspective, just because, like, obviously I can't relate in that situation, but it is, like, frustrating when any character in general is, uh, does everything wrong in the situation. Yeah. I literally was, like, screaming at this TV, like, what are you doing? <laughs> So yeah, maybe like three out of ten. Fair. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> I just watched so Dumb and Dumber. Like Sorry. It. Well, because the story behind it is really cool, and it had the opportunity. Like I don't know, it just wasn't scary. I don't know. Like, I've never seen any of the sh- series. Yeah. Well, Have you guys? Nope. Anybody? Not the series. I have not, no. no. I don't think I don't I've know. seen. There's a sequel to the to the first one, right? Yeah, I think there's yes. a two. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen this the second one, but it's been years since I've seen the first one. Yeah. Well, because it's actually based off the Ivan Malat murders, and yeah. yeah, he killed like seven people. So I think they just tried to like carry it on because he only kills three in the first one. So is this one of the the movies you're talking about on your podcast? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Hey, there you go. Yeah, I. Honestly, like, the real story is way scarier than the movie, so. Sometimes, you know, real life is scarier. 
Yeah. It always is. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Well, imagine like a crazy hillbilly, like Australian man coming after you, hunting you in the middle of the outback. Like a psychotic crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah, and he has a really scary laugh. Jennifer didn't like it because she said that it annoyed her, <laughs> but it scared me. <laughs> that was the only part that was scary was his like laugh. Like the real guy's laugh or in the movie? Um, In the movie. Okay. So the okay. Mick, I think, is his character. It sounds he, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard Paul Hogan laugh, so, I mean, I don't know how scary that would be. Since it's Crocodile Dundee. I think it's yeah. just because, like, they go with him even after he's been saying all these crazy things to them. Like, saying, they ask him what he does for a living, and he's like, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. And then he, like, does this laugh that I'm like, and you guys just agree to go with him. Like, that laugh tells me right there, like, we need to stay, like, a football field away from each other. Yeah. <laughs> We need to, yeah, you know, me and Kangaroo Jack need to go our separate ways, right? (laughs) Yeah. But that's where it all began to piss me off. (laughs) It didn't stop. But I probably wouldn't even have watched it if it wasn't for, like, research because it was... Because it took a really long time for it to start doing anything. Like, nothing really happened until, like, 30 minutes in. Yeah. That's that's how most of the, my movie watching goes. I wouldn't watch it unless Mike made me for this podcast. So <laughs> we'll definitely get into that, won't we? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was there anything else you watched? Um, I watched the new Maleficent. Is that the the sequel one with Angelina Jolie? Yeah, and it made oh. me cry. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and I also watched Ready or Not, and I really liked that. Fuck yeah! Heck yeah! Yeah. yeah Love that one. That was my favorite of last year. It was great. And I had never even heard of it. And then somebody suggested it to me. And I tried to watch the trailer that was on Google Play. And I don't know if it just wasn't the regular trailer, but I didn't understand what was going on. So then I didn't watch it. And then one night I was at home and I was like, yeah, might as well. And I'm glad I did. I, I think they should make like a clue inspired like version of Ready or Not. I would play the shit out of that game. Oh yeah, like a board game. Yeah, that'd be funny. But yeah, that's basically it for me. Cool. That's a that's a good one. I love that one. Uh, Mike, what did you watch? Okay, so first off, <laughs> I'll get my uh, non horror one out of the way. Um, uh, my 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 girlfriend Brandy wants to do this photo shoot um, based off of a photo shoot that happens in the movie Masterminds. She's oh, working on buying us all denim outfits. Oh, and so, oh Jesus. Oh, Lordy. so that's I'm why like, you're growing out the beard so you can look like Zach Galifianakis, of course. <laughs> and so, uh, so I had to, I'd never seen the movie before, so I had to see the movie. And oh my god, it's so funny! Oh, it's so funny. With- the the fart transplant. <laughs> yeah, I awesome. told I told her she couldn't do that part. So. <laughs> um, in the fart right in my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Anyway, so that movie was great. And what I also really liked about it is there at the end when, during the credits or whatever, they're showing the real guy and him being on set. 
And I'm just thinking to myself, like, how is he not pissed off that Zach Galifianakis is making him look like the biggest idiot on the planet? I guess he probably got a decent paycheck, you know, so. Anyway, so that movie's awesome. It's on uh, Netflix. Watch it. It's funny. I will say when um, when he tapes up all those stacks of, like, you know, $100 bills and ramps the van through the garage door, you know, from the backseat, I laughed for five minutes straight. I had tears <laughs> rolling down my face. I rewound it and watched it, and I laughed every single time. But, yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's all right. Um, next I watched, uh, I, I, too, watched the documentary. Um, on Ray Harryhausen, uh, Ray Harryhausen special effects Titan. Oh, that was so good. Like it had been a while since I've watched any of Harryhausen's stuff and just watching this documentary, especially on that TV there. <laughs> and they're showing all these clips from like Beast from 20,000 Fathoms or from the Sinbad movies or even Clash of the Titans. And I'm just like, this stuff is so good and still stands up, you know, for, you know, especially against, the CGI crap we get today, you know. Um, yeah, sure, you could tell the difference between a real person and stop motion pretty easily. But the fact that it's, you know, these, like, giant lumbering monsters or a skeleton or whatever, the movement makes sense, you know. And But even still, like, the you know what that man did to create that stuff is, like, you know... There's just no work ethic in today's world <laughs> in comparison. Um, I don't know if I brought it up or not. And if I hadn't brought it up, because I watched this a while ago, but I think I forgot to bring it up on the show. Uh, I watched that documentary series, Don't Fuck With Cats. Have I talked about that yet? I've heard about it. No. Oh, my God. I, br- I brought it up, but I, uh, yeah. I didn't talk too much about it. Okay. I refuse to watch it. Because of the whole cats thing? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, in another podcast I listened to, like, kind of talked about it and uh because she said something about how she had to turn it off before it was even like five minutes in and i'm a cat lady are they (laughs) are they hurting animals in this yes the whole thing but they don't show they don't show any of it they don't show well they cut they show really fuzzy like they over pixelate the actual footage and like zoom in on it so you see the guy with the cat taped to the board that he's lowering into the bathtub water, but you don't see what happens. Oh, so yeah, so I'm but, a cat guy. So it's yeah, uh, a trailer. You're alone. a cat dad. Yeah. Well, yeah. Me and me and the wife. Yeah. That's awesome. Cat. So basically, it's about this guy starts making these like cat videos, and these group of internet um, people are just get pissed off and like cussing them out and That's like. Telling him to stop and whatever, which just encourages him to keep making more. And so they start hunting this guy down, doing all this unbelievable research. You know, something you'd see on freaking, like, some NCIS LUV LMNOP show. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> or cat catfish, whatever you choose. Okay. Um, not hungry. Yep. Uh, but... They do all this research and literally are able to track them down, like through Google Map and stuff, and based on a landmark that's behind him in a, in a picture or whatever. And yeah, 
wild. And they go to the cops with all this all this information in fear that this guy is going to take it to the next level. And the cops ignore these people. And guess what? The fucker takes it to the next level and kills a, kills a person. And it becomes this big thing. And like, oh, I you know I'm watching this thing, and at at, at a certain point, I'm like, this is fake. This has got to be a fake a fake documentary, but it's all real. And that's then how they find a torso in a suitcase, and it's like, oh no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought the whole the whole thing was just like you know maybe like a mockumentary, but just because it's so, you know, you just can't believe that you couldn't, so, you this couldn't write actually happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. And mm-hmm. you, for, you you didn't mention it, but the one thing that they sort of they they show, but they sort of mm-hmm. almost gloss over is the fact that they zero in on this guy and they go after him and they're like, we have him, we have him, and everybody's going after this this guy on the internet. Um, Turns out, you know, this guy ends up killing himself. Turns out that they had the wrong person, and this guy was like suffering from depression and shit. And they thought this guy was the one that was making these videos. So everybody online, you know, got their pitchforks and went after this innocent dude, and he ended up killing himself over it. Yeah, I know. I ruined the whole episode, but uh, (laughs) it's fucking sad. Like they go after this guy, assuming they they're so sure they got him. And it sort of, to me, is like they should have touched a little bit more on that because it's like great that these people did their research and found somebody. But when it, yeah, when you find the wrong person, uh, you know, and ruin someone's life, not so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah, it, it was fucked. It's a f- crazy documentary. It's, it, I, yeah, I highly recommend it. You know. I know they they don't dwell on the cat stuff too much after like the first episode, so maybe just skip the first episode or whatever. Yeah, I asked several people who had seen it before I watched. I'm like, if they show any of the video (laughs) cats, I'm just not going to watch it. And they're like, no, no, like they show parts of it, but never like the cat actually getting hurt or anything. I mean, I guess you could argue that it does, but it's I'm an animal lover, and you know, it engages you, but it definitely didn't didn't like show enough to make me upset now nikki she couldn't finish it she watched like i think the first episode and just it was just too dark for her so she decided not to finish but i don't know uh maybe i'm just a sick fuck but like it just motivated me the those cat videos motivated me to want to watch the rest of it just because i want i like i hope this guy gets caught yeah Yeah. and i had to know i had to have closure on it I can't even watch Animal Planet, though, without crying. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. I'll be, like, holding my dog, like, this is why you don't run in the streets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, the last thing I want to talk about, last movie I want to talk about, is I finally got around to watching the the Banana Splits movie. I freaking loved it. Yeah? I loved it. I really, really did. Like, I don't get where people didn't, I mean, you know... Like it's got the stigma of it being a sci-fi channel movie, and that's that kind of made me nervous. But it's everything that is not what sci-fi channel movies usually are. It felt like I mean, I feel like the first act and a half kind of drag on a little bit because I feel like they spend way too much time on character development of this family. But like, I'm noticing things just like the color palette for this movie. A lot of a lot of oranges and green, or uh, a lot of oranges and browns, and you know, you know, it's it's modern time, 
but it's just a lot of those those earthier toned colors that reflect back to the 70s when the banana split show was actually a show and i'm like you don't get that kind of attention to detail in a normal freaking you know shark to puss movie so <clears throat> i i thought it was shot really well i i loved seeing all the banana split animatronic creatures attacking and killing people i just thought it was a lot of fun great hearing that song the the theme song um yeah now it's stuck in my head so yeah you're welcome so yeah totally two thumbs up for me you know i don't i just i don't get the hatred for it you have nostalgia Ted I didn't did, really have this. No, I didn't necessarily hate it. I just didn't say I just didn't <clears throat> like it as much as I wanted to. But it's definitely for like a, you know, if you're judging on the scale of sci-fi channel movies, it's fucking king, you know, but Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's It doesn't feel at all like it. It felt more like it was just a, a movie that was made and then sci-fi bought it, which might be the case cuz it doesn't it's not a, doesn't feel like a sci-fi production. Mm-mm. It has good acting and uh like you said, it's some definitely care taken in making it so yep and a, an actual script with you know plot and yeah huh. <laughs> on sci-fi yes yeah. who would have thought is that how movies work <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i watched excellent somebody asked Dad, me what what'd you watch buddy um i watched quite a bit i'll sort of rattle through them um i watched honey boy with shia labeouf oh i want to he wrote the movie and it's really sad it's about his own life yeah, as a cool. child star and he plays his own dad who is a huge piece of shit who basically yeah. uh took advantage of him like most child stars and used him to make all of his money he was sort of his manager but he was not a good dad and sort of raised him in like a really shitty sort of hotel while he was making even stevens and you know making doing small roles in movies and stuff and uh, great performances by everybody, especially Shia LaBeouf playing his own father. I can't imagine how tough that would be yeah. if you had like a really bad childhood and then to dress up and act like your own dad and you know basically abuse a kid playing you as a kid. Very weird, but a very good movie. Uh, probably got the best frame of reference for it. You know, absolutely. Right? And you know, and like I said, he wrote the screenplay. Really fantastic, hmm. uh, but definitely a, a sad one. Um, I got to see Color Out of Space in you theaters. Lucky son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, just and? got a group together that wanted to go up and see a film scene in their new theater. It's The new theater's gorgeous. It's awesome. Uh, saw it in a sold-out screening. Uh, yeah, a whole lot of fun. This one's crazy. I mean, not. I, I, I don't know. I Maybe, you know, the, the name Nick Cage has this attachment to it now that every when he does a movie it's a nick cage movie rather than it's like its own genre now uh-huh. it's like the crazy nick cage movie and it's definitely has moments you know he's it, he's raising alpacas in it it's based on, based on an hp lovecraft story but mm. he's like a dad who has alpacas and they move him and his family move out into the middle of the country and to get away from the city life and it's him and his wife and his son and daughter and uh has uh Tommy Chong in it which is he's hilarious but uh something falls from the sky and shit starts to go bad and it's very <laughs> trippy and uh it's very pink and greens and t- 
turquoises and I, I don't want to spoil anything in the story, but uh, it has some Nick Cage freakouts in it, but also some really good Nick Cage comedy, intentional comedy in it. Uh, mm. So it's good to see him like these projects. I feel like when they find things that showcase that and, and remind us that he is a really great actor, uh, I want more of that. Like we're having a yeah. Nick Cage renaissance, you know, and he's finally being utilized and they're saying a new uh, national treasure movie. Like that'd be huge for him. So good for him. He deserves it. Um, I also watched the new uh, David Lynch short film on Netflix. What did Jack do? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I, I forgot. I, I watched that too. Shit. I forgot yeah. That, that was interesting. I love that Netflix somehow funded David and got David Lynch to make a new short film. And it's him interrogating a monkey and, uh, <laughs> yep. in black and white and he does the monkey's mouth and the, then there's a song number which uh i don't know if you can if you guys get, could see jason's face I right might, now i might skip this one no it's awesome oh, if he, it's only like what 15 minutes or something 20 yeah. minutes if if i don't know how the if the oscars what the rules are for best original song like if it can be from a short movie but this they really snubbed david lynch if uh you can't you know, if, if he was eligible. Uh, but yeah, it's basically David Lynch interrogating a monkey in a black and white short film. The monkey speaks. Um, but it's 20 minutes. It's on Netflix. There's no reason not to watch it. It's uh, awesome. It is. Uh, I also caught... Oh, go ahead. I was with an endorsement like Mike just gave. That's a reason not to watch it. What? Sorry, go ahead. It's 20 minutes. I mean, if you yeah. only spent 20 minutes, you know... Right. He's uh, interrogating a monkey. I know it's tough for... Uh, I think I get it. Oh. I know a lot of people are like, either they love or hate David Lynch, but um, you're not spending two hours of, you know, a, a, a full-length David Lynch movie here, so 20 minutes. It's it's a nice, short, fun little thing. And the monkey definitely if, he can, if he can, you know, pro, you know, Give the enough time and attention to uh, Meatballs Four. Oh, I think so you can give David. I think you can <laughs> give so David Lynch twenty minutes. Right. Uh, I also caught uh, one of my old favorites, Escape from Alcatraz, on like Stars in the Middle of the Night. I love that movie. If I see it on TV, I'm going to stop and watch it. Uh, with Clint Eastwood, good one. A lot of uh, character actors in that one. I watched yeah. the animated feature I Lost My Body on Netflix. It's a yeah, it's up for best animated feature at the Oscars. I don't think it will win, but it was really really cool. Sort of tells a story about a hand, like a hand traveling. I I, I can't even really explain what it's about. And I don't want to go too much into it cuz it's not horror, but uh I recommend it. It's really cool. Um but one thing I did watch is fairy horror that I really enjoyed and highly recommend and this will be my last one is a new series, a true crime documentary series on Netflix called The Confession Killer. I don't know if anyone's seen it. Yeah, I saw it, yeah. Nope. With Henry well, Lee Lucas. I don't know if you did oh, talk about it on here. I don't remember if I brought it up or not. I, every time I watch one of these documentary series, is I kind of forget to add it to my list. So, Yeah, I watched it when it first came out. It's all, it's it's another insane, just insane documentary. And I yeah, thought I out, knew. What, November, I think? Yeah. Yeah, this one, uh, if you don't know who Henry Lee Lucas is, he is known as the confession killer because they uh, basically picked him up on one murder and then he started confessing to 
two murders, three murders, and then he's up to like 600 murders. And uh, it's like, oh, he's literally murdered everybody ever. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the Texas Rangers, this notorious group of assholes in Texas that were famous at the time, are the ones that arrest him. And they're basically driving him around all over the country for him and feeding him like like strawberry milkshakes and 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 cigarettes and as long as they keep feeding him putting him on camera and uh convincing him that you know he's he's getting everything he wants he's he's just confessing to everything and they're right they're closing cases on murders all over the country and it's crazy it'll be like oh he murdered a woman in texas on tuesday and then wednesday he was in fucking you know new york and he murdered someone else then he's in california on the next day and they're just like yeah you know it's completely possible if he somehow never slept never ate never did anything but murder people one at a time uh and and, milkshakes you're right and it just gets crazier and crazier as it gets on because finally you know finally someone speaks up and says you know there's no way he's done all this and shit hits the fan and these guys go after the guy who called them out and made them look stupid uh it's just yeah it's it's eye-opening it's really interesting and uh i i usually don't get sucked into like the true crime stuff but lately i have been this one was really good so another another fun fact his uh his partner in crime otis o'toole is the one that killed john walsh's kid from america's most wanted yeah supposedly he confessed to it but it's another one of those it's like if they they can't really prove it, he just confesses to it. Uh, the most shocking footage of this whole documentary for me is just the footage of him palling around with the freaking cops. Oh yeah, they're like best friends. Yeah, it's just <laughs> s- appalling. It's <clears throat> so shocking. Well, yeah, of course, he's, he's never cuffed. They just t- like he just hangs out uh, in the room with them. They laugh. They have like just just like friends and he's like oh yeah you know i took her over the side of the road and slit her throat and and it's so ridiculous that people fell for this shit because it's like you know he would get details wrong and it finally took a family that whose daughter you know he claimed he murdered his family's daughter and uh they're like none of the stuff he's saying makes any sense that's not at all how where they found her it's not at all how it happened and the Texas Rangers are pretty much like, nope, it's case closed. He admitted to it. Shut up and take take this. And they're like, well, that- we want, you know, if, if he takes this, there's still, like, a killer out in the streets that did this that's guilty. And they're like, shut up. Nope, he did it. And, and they're you know, dropping, the and they're dropping like, you know, tidbits of information and, like, there's, leading yeah, them along. Showing them pictures and driving them to the to the site and they're like you know oh he took us to the site yeah well you drive him there and then say did you do any murders here did you happen to murder an 18 year old blonde girl here yeah it's just a bunch of bullshit yeah. and leave yeah. and leave and leave only one sock and all this jazz yeah i remember yeah feeding him the information yeah yeah and of course they're buddy buddies <laughs> you know because this you know henry lee lucas is you know making them look like heroes because Oh, we got him on this one. We got him on this one. We got yep. him on this one. You know, he's like, bas- they're basically taking him on tour. Like, who wants some murder cases closed? 
yeah, yeah. And then these guys just look like, you know, they look like Walker, Texas Ranger, you know? Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're closing like like 10 of them a day. It's wild. So yeah, they're getting phone calls from all over the country from other police departments to have, wanting them to, you know, investigate it. And there's Lucas sitting there in the, uh, in the sheriff's office or whatever answering the freaking phone. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, with a milkshake in the hand and a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. McDonald's probably. Yeah. Yeah, and they basically (laughs) said, yeah, and they basically said, like, you know, as long as you're alive, we're not going to, we're not going to put you in, like, we're not going to kill you. We're not going to put you on death row as long as you keep confessing because they're not going to kill someone who has information. So as long as people keep dying, he can keep confessing to murders and keep himself alive. And. And it's, it's, totally, it's totally fucked. And it probably helps that he looks like a freaking poster boy that would just, like, you know... Oh, yeah, he has, like, one sloth eye hanging down, and, like, yeah. he has teeth that are, like, four inches long, and... Yeah, and he, there's only four of them in his mouth. Right, yeah, he, all four of his teeth are... Yeah, he looks like a woodchuck. It's weird. Yeah, he's... Dang woodchucks. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, that's what I watched. Well, Cool. That's good stuff. Good stuff there. Um, let's get into uh, tonight's topic: the year of nineteen ninety-two. And Tad is going to do his best to describe the first movie. Good luck. Yeah, I was uh, going to say when when I watched this one and I saw that it was my pick, I'm like, damn you! Uh, I'll be so honest. I'm just going to go ahead. I'll be honest. Like, here's the thing: like Jason, Jason said that he. Th- thinks that this episode is based around picking this movie because I've been wanting to see this forever and now with that uh, with that new movie of his that just came out you were talking about um, uh-huh. Richard Stanley is everywhere like he I have listened to like four or five yeah. podcasts um, of him being interviewed and and I've been obsessed with the guy ever since the uh, Lost Souls documentary. So I wouldn't want been wanting to watch this to make sure that I've seen all of his all of his work and I'm just, you know still trying to decide if I am a fan of his or not. Um, and and I, if you're listening and you don't know what we're saying, we're talking about the movie is Dust Devil. I haven't said that yet. Back in the first times, in the time of the red light, desert wind, Zoupoir was a man like us until by mischance he grew wings and flew like a bird
He flew to seek his prey, taking refuge in those far corners of the world where magic still lingers. But having once been a man, so does he still suffer the passions of a man, flying in the rages sometimes, to vent his wrath upon the earth. The people of the great Namib have another name for those violent winds that blow from nowhere. They call them Dust Devils. So I've been really, really wanting to watch this movie for for a long time. And I thought for sure it would be good and something up your alley. Just, but anyway, continue. You talking to me? Yeah, you. Huh. Okay. Huh. <laughs> no, I'll, Again, I'll read, with uh, no knowledge of what the movie was about. Right, no, no, yeah. I completely, no I, I'm just giving you a hard time. Okay. You know, I'm always doing that. But, um... I'm just going to read the description on IMDb because that's my best bet. Um, A woman on the run from her abusive husband encounters a mysterious hitchhiker, which is like the most um, vague way to describe this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Written and directed by Richard Stanley, like you said, in 1992, has Robert John Burke as the Dust Devil. Uh, Yeah, I don't even know where to go with this one. Um... I think if you listen to our bonus episode that you can get through Patreon uh, right now for as little as one dollar, um, you'll hear Jason sort of make a joke at this one, saying it's good for a nap. And uh, it didn't quite put me to sleep, but it had a hard time. I had a hard time keeping my. It had a hard time drawing my attention or keeping my attention. So um, I didn't. I did not love it. I did not. I don't hate it. It's. It's just there, and it didn't do much for me. I definitely. I have no history. Or no knowledge at all. I've never seen any of Richard Stanley's movies. I watched this one, and uh, I, you know, I'm I'm glad I saw Color Out of Space because I really love that one. But I don't know if it's you know so much his direction as it is uh, the actors and the look of the film. But um, I will say that Trevor, who's been on the podcast before, said that uh, Color Out of Space is his favorite. Now his he thinks it's the best H.P. Lovecraft a- adaptation that he's seen. So, well, that's the thing with Richard Stanley. Like, he is very aware of of the look of his films. Maybe so much to even maybe the, the detriment of the story. Visual artist first. He is a visual artist first. So when you say Color of Outer Space is visually, then you know that that's definitely Richard Stanley. For, yeah. For me, this, I'm curious. This, yeah. Go ahead. Everybody go ahead on this <laughs> well, one. I'm this, curious. This movie moved so friggin'. It's freaking Lord of the Rings in the desert. Also oh, the come on. <laughs> don't, don't drag the hobbits into this. Come on. Uh, That's mean. It, I would just drag a hobbit down the highway. Make it fucking interesting. I mean, just, just <laughs> do something. You know, it's. I mean, it, I'm not going to lie. It, start, it started off really well i mean it kind of hooked me a little bit there and then it just everything was just really bogged down i mean it's um i'm i'm trying to stay positive but i mean 
You'll watch Basically. a guy interview a monkey, but this is too <laughs> weird for you. This is too well, no, slow. It's not, it's not, this is it's not too weird. It's just it's it's not. <laughs> there's nothing happening. I mean, at least at least a guy interviewing a monkey will is bizarre enough to hook my attention. You know, it's and. Uh, part of it for one minute she's running away and one minute she's suicidal and uh, if if you're going to have a guy be a demon let him be a demon don't let let me see flashes of the demon when he gets pissed off you know I mean uh, and it's got the most lackluster uh, heroes I've ever seen you know uh the guy just gets stabbed, and okay, he's done. I'm just like, well, you you built up this character, you know, as the guy that's gonna be who he is, you know, and just and save the day. I mean, granted, yeah, you can wound him, but he didn't really. I mean, okay, he 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 put a stick in front of the guy. <sighs> um. I wish the guy would have got his head would his head his head would exploded 25 30 minutes into the movie then I've been like okay now we're get, now we're getting somewhere the head explosion was the only thing that actually that I really really liked in this movie but you know I mean I actually own this DVD I watched it and I sold it the next day <laughs> I I'm I'm serious I'm just like I don't really uh see myself watching this ever again you know and i was and i was of the same ilk as as mike i was just like i'm actually kind of i really want to see this this actually sounds really really interesting and i was just like man this is just this is a letdown um anyway it it maybe maybe hopefully i'm not the only one that thinks this uh any anybody else i i'm done i ain't got much to say about it I, yeah, you've already said more than I had to say about it. I did not. I thought it was pretty damn slow. So my, um, it yeah. was really hard holding my attention to. <laughs> You're I a millennial. Tried. Everything. Does. I finished it though. <laughs> it just yeah, took a lot it, of time, and it, it felt like uh, an accomplishment when it was over, right? <laughs> yes, actually. Except for I did make my brother-in-law watch the head explosion. I rewound it. Yeah, that that one <laughs> that was pretty rad. I was like, she just blew his head right off his shoulders. <laughs> Exploded like a watermelon hitting the ground. Yep. My, Mike, are you going to defend it? My, I'm going to let Jason go my, first. My mistake is that I looked up zero st- of thing about the story when I started. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about the story, too. I, I just nothing. know. I, hey. I, well, <laughs> yeah. You just read it. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I mean, like, it's, it's, it is an artsy film. Like, it's very creative and artsy. In its storytelling, it's very not traditional. It jumps around a lot. It's the what it's telling you about isn't the most exciting thing in the world, but it was it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. I mean, it was it was beautiful. I enjoyed the cinematography and the, and again and the the the, the color. Uh, palette was amazing. Yeah, 
Um, I liked uh, what Chelsea Field. I thought she did an awesome job. I I liked her performance. She had really good eyebrows. Yep, they were on <laughs> fleek. Is that what they say? And they were uh, nice. like they weren't over arched or anything. Did you guys notice when, like, before he torches that house and he stands and um, on the porch, uh, he's standing in a way that behind him there's like, uh, I guess there's like a big goat skull mounted yeah. on the wall, yeah. and then it looks like there's horns coming out of his head. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah, I thought that I thought that was a cool shot. But at the end of the day, it was just fucking weird, and the writing, uh, the dialogue was kind of terrible, and it just didn't flow worth shit, and I, I, by the end, I'm like, oh, and then like in my boredom during the movie, I, would, I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, this is what it's about. And then by the end, I'm like, okay, I guess it was about that. So I wonder... Um, if in the morning sometime after I've had a, a full night's sleep and I watched it again, you know, knowing what's going on, would it play better? That's where I was. How about you, Mike? Four times. Four, uh, I've had to watch this four times. Why? Because I fell asleep every single time. <laughs> I thought you were a glutton for punishment. No, I don't. That's how many times he I, watches every movie for this show. I, that is not true. I <laughs> I only have seen this movie bits and pieces amongst four times. I could put the whole thing together based on the four times I've. So this should feel like a dream it. for real. You were just. Here's the thing. My only my only um thing that I think I can't, and I don't know if this is what you read about what the movie's about. <laughs> But just with listening to all these interviews with Richard Stanley and my knowledge of Richard Stanley, there was some subtext of the film that I picked up on right away just because I knew this stuff. And that has a lot to do with, like, the politics of Southern Africa. Um, there's a lot of that in this movie with the, with the cops and everything. Because um, Richard Stanley grew up in... in South Africa. In South Africa. What did I say? You said Southern Africa, and that's not a well, it's still, the same thing it's, it's still as South Africa. Southern part of Africa. No, it's the, um, I love you. <laughs> South Africa. So he grew up in South right, Af- right, Africa. Right. So he he grew up around all of this oh, it's, racial tension and and all that. And being a white guy in this uh, in that environment, you know, so... <clears throat> So that is that what you read? What the, a lot of the movie was about? No, because all the cop stuff to me, all no. the cop stuff to me was that was all that it was. I about. meant the simple plot of she's running from a guy, oh. and there's a hitchhiker, and uh, this other guy's trying to catch him and help. You know, like I didn't even know what the fuck that was about for half the damn movie. <laughs> it's like almost an hour before we really get into the whole. Yeah, it's cat just, and mouse it's between just her cool and him. Scenes, and I'm like, what does this add up to? I mean, there's shots are cool, and like the intent is awesome, and I just it's he's just a, so fucking weird. He's a very visual filmmaker, not necessarily the best storyteller. And like the overdub stuff, yeah. I mean the narrator stuff, which I'm convinced is him. Yeah, I 
it's just like you're just you're I don't know those those sequences of his narration are just like uh stories they're they're like um fairy tales they're like there's no purpose it, it, it doesn't it's hard to follow it's just hard to follow I had a hard time um you know in mystery science theater when they're watching a movie yeah. and like uh, and like a shot's going on too long, and they're uh-huh. sitting there going and cut, right? And cut. That's most of this movie. Oh, There's a lot of like and cut. It's just dragging out scenes and shots way too long. Because if you like, trim that shit up, man, it'd be it would be a, a pretty solid. Because there's a lot of moments that I liked, like when he sets fire to the house. I love those shots of just watching everything in the house melt or catch on fire and 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 i find it visually stunning because it's like really close-up shots of like the open book and the pages you know the the screen of the radio melting you know kind of stuff and it's like how would you get those shots without ruining your camera or you know um but then at the end of the day it's like okay i get it the house is on fire (laughs) let's wrap this up (laughs) um yeah, I'm with Tad. I, I didn't hate it. It was just challenging. I I don't I don't think I say that I hate it, but like it's not a movie for me. I'm also with Andy. I don't yeah. think I'll ever watch it again. I will never watch it again because yeah, it's I, it's just not a movie for me. It's way too much of a slow burn. It's it's um visual over content and and I don't buy into that either, so Sometimes I'm all about that, but not here. Like no. when it's just that slow, I don't know. I, mean, I have no idea what's going on. I I had like I sort of did what Jason did. I'm like watching a movie. I'm like, am I missing something? I'm going to go online and read about it. <laughs> right. Look up that w- Wikipedia page and see what the fuck I'm watching. Uh huh. I'm I'm just like I I think you know when when I watch films, I was like, you could have the prettiest shit in the world, but if I don't give a if, if you don't give a shit about what's going on, I mean, you don't have a movie. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I totally, hundred percent agree. Yeah, um, I think you could be. I think. I kind of get. I kind of get um, worked up sometimes when I listen to people talk about just how beautiful a movie is, and I'm and I just want to be like, all right, but how's the story? Because. You can. I think you can have the most beautiful movie in the world, but you got to have a story too. I, this medium is has has to have a balance. Of, I don't of want both. you and Andy to get uh, too high a horse here. Let's let me just throw out any movie that ends with exploitation. Come on, there's no stories in all these shitty movies you guys love. There's but there's shit tons of blood and boobs. okay that's it it's just, I'm just I'm going try- we're going down I'm that just- road on another episode okay. I I've already yeah, I can I can prove that wrong you you guys can all blame Jason when we do an oh. exploitation episode and the movies I pick for it anyway yeah I challenge you to give me ones with stories okay <laughs> um. <laughs> But yes, I also agree with what you're saying. Entertainment value. Is that better? That's two different things. That's subjective. Right. Um, anyway, anyway, you're right. But awesome. I want to go back and watch Hardware again now, though, really, really bad, because yeah. I remember 
we watched hardware for the show, or I watched hardware for the show, a long-ass time ago, and not really being into it, but every bit of memory of it since then, after it sat with me for a while, that I freaking love it. Now I'm kind of scared to go back again and <laughs> yeah. thinking, like, maybe what's going on in Dust Devil went on in hardware, and that was my impression, and now I have rose-colored glasses. It makes me a little scared know. about color out of space. A little bit. A little bit. I'm glad Tad gave it a thumbs up, though. I just yeah. felt like I didn't do enough, smoke enough pot to enjoy this one. And I want to see his his short that's in the uh, anthology film Theater Bazaar. I think is the name of it. Because I was listening to uh, I was I've listening that. the movies that made us. He was on that, and they were talking about how that the 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 concept the the concept of that one was written you guys talked about Ouija boards earlier it was written by a Ouija board <laughs> oh my goodness wow yep. <laughs> you know, if you've ever seen Lost <laughs> Souls you know Richard Stanley's a bit uh, a little bit out there a little bit eccentric and the spirituality and whatnot. so anywho yeah it's a bummer for some reason I really want to be a fan of his yeah. but he hasn't done it for me yet yeah <clears throat> All right, so, Jason, what's our next movie? Oh, my gosh. Everyone's just waiting to get through that so we can talk about this one. This is the Peter Jackson classic, Dead Alive. On this picturesque block, in this manicured home, something evil, something terrifying, Something horrifying is haunting Lionel. His mother. I thought I told you to spray this house. The place is infested with bourbon. Although she was a little strict. Look at this dust. It's an inch thick. He never wished her any harm. You look after me. Until... <laughs> Your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, whatever mom's got has caught on with the neighbors. You can pray. You can plead. You can beg for mercy. But nothing you can do will stop. Because how do you kill something that's already dead? Trimark Pictures presents a modern masterpiece of horror. Your mother ain't my dog! Dead Alive. Party's over. I'm going to stick with Tad's theme because I thought the... Uh, um, IMDb synopsis was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> it said, okay, here we are, dead alive. Uh, a young man's mother is bitten by a Sumerian rat monkey, which, you know, is common tale. Yeah. You know. Although it says Sumatran. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she gets Sudafed. sick. Yeah, she gets <laughs> sick and dies, at which time she comes back to life, killing and eating dogs, nurses, friends, and neighbors. 
That sums it up. That is like a grade school <laughs> synopsis of the movie. It's not great. <laughs> Holy crap. That's got to be the worst synopsis oh, yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. And, Jason. Man, what a movie, huh? I I have a synopsis that I think. I, it's Do it. Like, Do it. Okay. The, well, I have a synopsis as to how this movie was, was made. It's <laughs> okay. like... If the Three Stooges were able to watch psych, uh, watch a double bill of Psycho and The Evil Dead, then get shit faced, and then write the screenplay for this, that's that's what happened. <laughs> because it's basically all the all of those elements. It's like Three Stooges gags, and the Psycho is uh, it basically influenced by the mother and the son, and basically you have the you know the Evil Dead. And that's 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 what I see when I when I see this movie. But you said I the can't... key word like it's this movie is gags. Everything oh. about it is a gag. One right after another, and it and yeah. one and each one gets funnier than than the next. Funnier um, and grosser and bloodier oh, and like when the pus shoots out of her uh, <laughs> wrist into the. Custard stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yum. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. <laughs> and some some of the the characters. You have like a Nazi veterinarian that's like you know giving him tranquilizers. <laughs> and all and, the the actors are just so cartoony and over the top, and the camera angles like right in their faces and stuff. Mm-hmm. Are, it's just so, so stylized. Yeah. 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 And every single what's what's great about it, every single character is memorable. You remember every single one. Um, and by the way, since I haven't done a line of the movie like in a long time, my favorite line of the movie, hands down, I kick ass for the Lord. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, the priest is probably and. I'd, have, I'd probably have to say that my priest is probably the fa- my favorite character in this, and, and with with Void being uh, the second, you know, him jamming the spoon like into his mouth and out the back of his head is <laughs> God. Um, and then he starts beating on the table like a baby, you know. Yeah, it's just all upset. Yeah, and he has to use his own legs for stilts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, and the fact that his intestines actually. When they made the guy's intestines a character, a memorable one, too, <laughs> that farts, for Christ's sake. <laughs> checks, oh it's, checks itself out in the mirror. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, this is a staple. I mean, if you, if I could rem- recommend any movie like on this list, I know it's a very short one. Just, guys, watch this one if you haven't seen this. This is to me. This should be like horror one hundred and one. This is uh, especially if you're if you're a little squeamish about you know some of the more. Uh, I guess this is pretty go- pretty gory, but yeah, for as for as nasty as it is, it's just hilarious. You you there's no way you could ever take this seriously. <laughs> it is really uh, funny. Is, now, had, uh, you, had you seen it before, Emily? We'd all s- no, seen it I have not times. seen it before. Oh, nice. Ooh. Oh, awesome. I had never even heard of it before, so. Yeah, it's, I remember seeing this and thinking, like, so this 
they saw this movie and gave him fucking Lord of the Rings. They trusted him with <laughs> uh-huh. the three most expensive, like at the time, the most expensive trilogy in ever in history. They're like, oh yeah, the guy that you know had the lawnmower zombie scene. Like, let's give him a trillion dollars and <laughs> ship him to New Zealand to make the biggest fucking trilogy of all time. It's crazy. Not only that, but it was. It's been documented that like if the lord of the rings movies would have failed that would have been the end of new line cinema right and it, I, just, I mean he did the frighteners between obviously oh, it didn't yeah. go straight from uh dead alive to uh lord of the rings that would be quite the jump but <laughs> but even still, still going from that to lord of the rings was risky because frighteners was a flop right it's a great movie but financially did not do well yeah, I mean, if you like, the further back you go in his filmography, huh. the crazier it can sort of you could say crazier it gets. But this one to me is like the perfect blend. Like it, some of his other stuff, like I, I, I will be honest, I've never been able to stay awake through the first Lord of the Rings movie. But uh, this I can pop in any time, and you know, I, I would have a hard time turning it off. So break my yeah. heart. What's that? You break my heart. What, the Lord of the Rings? Yes. Well, it's because a movie like this, it just keeps going. And it is, and you you, you you, guys have all mentioned things that are my arguments for shitty exploitation films. Because I feel like shitty exploitation films have to overcompensate for what they lack in budget, talent, a lot of times, technical aspects. So they write the, they write their scripts with, may not have a, any plot or storyline, but they have outrageous characters like a freaking nazi veterinarian or something you know um wacky dialogue and and that's what and 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 keeping the pace just going 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 and that's what makes those type of movies awesome and that's what makes this movie awesome my i'm sorry oh and just you know just uh like you said i i was just gonna uh basically say the same thing about you know when they have uh small you know smaller budgets i think it forces you to be more creative you know because you have to be and and i bit i just wanted to interject and just put my two cents in another one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when like you like you said they gave the lord of the rings guy you know after they gave him Peter Jackson, the Lord of the Rings after this, he had a guy basically physically assault a toddler with a swing set, which is probably one of my favorite scenes of the film, which wasn't even in the script. Really? That whole day of filming was improv. Oh God. That's growing. That's great. I'm trying to remember why I think, I think it came to the end of the production and they had money left over. So they went and just shot that scene. Like, the baby scene? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, like, the one thing that always sort of, like, it's almost, it, it should be something that's bad, but it almost uh, freaks me out is, like, the scene when the baby's on, like, you can clearly see it's, like, a, a adult, and they don't quite get the scaling right uh, when it's, like, crawling around in yeah. the outfit, you know what I mean? And it's on, like, the teeter-totter, and it's, it's like, clearly a full size person it's like that's <laughs> weird he grew <laughs> 10 times and then he goes back and it's a baby again and uh yeah th- this is such a fucking weird movie man <laughs> love it though and uh 
there's there's so many memorable kills in, like in that party that are just I mean none of them have been, I mean this is not, like you said this is 1992 and none of, and it's still it still stands up today I just I'm watching it you know because I hadn't seen it in a while I'm just like I'm still just going like oh god you know uh, just like when void you know he punches through the back of that girl's uh head and his and his fist comes out of her mouth i mean just uh and that they, was great or the baby coming through the face oh, <laughs> yeah i've seen t-shirts that uh, made of that you know just him ripping through and and the light fixture zombie is just yeah. great you 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 mentioned the one where um, Void punches the girl through the, through the face. That is some quality skill filmmaking right there because there's no cutaway. There's no cutaway. It is the real girl's face, and then the special effect all in one shot. And I've watched that frame by. I've seriously I've watched that shot frame by frame to see where that cut is, and it's fucking seamless. Wow. It is seamless, and that is a ballsy move to like try to do that and not have a cutaway. But you can go all the way back to like um, Bad Taste, and he was experimenting with that kind of stuff of trying to intercut the the real the real person and the special effect, and not being able to tell where where they bring in the effect versus the real person. Pete's the. Man. I remember. When I was getting into horror, uh, this was the one that people said used like the most amount of blood in a movie ever for the, the lawnmower <laughs> scene, and that was always like when I when I would have friends over and stuff, I'd be like, "You gotta check out this scene, just this one scene, you know." And I mean, how badass! Like something that when I was you know thirteen, I would have come up with like, "Yeah," and then he's gonna just go into a crowd of zombies with a lawnmower, and he's just gonna hold it up and run them all over, and, like you know, so rad. Yeah. The one thing, the one thing that I think uh, that also syncs up with the movie is I, I really kind of dig the 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 music as well because I think the mood of it. I mean, it says you know things are serious, but it's also it seems kind of uh, I don't want to say lighthearted, but it, it seems like it's it. It seems like it's scary mu- music, but it seems like it's a little bit silly at the same time. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I just think the music really fits the movie well. Tonally, it's there, but you know, sorry, buddy, I'll be honest with you. And maybe I, I think maybe I've just seen the movie too many times, but <laughs> the score is my least favorite part of this movie. Yeah. I, for one, I think it's mixed a little loud. It, there's like scenes where the I feel like the score dominates all the other audio in the scene, and when you draw that much attention to the score, you can you kind of single me out at that point. I'm like, yeah, the 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 score should be there to enhance it, not take it over. But but that's just me. That's just me. And again, I, it's maybe just because what? I've watched it so many times, and when it when it comes to music. And repetition, nothing will kill music for me than having to hear it over and over and over again. So, yeah, that's true. This is like his Army of Darkness. Peters, yeah, yeah, you could say that. What's? I'm just curious what everyone's favorite Peter Jackson movie is. Uh, it's this one for me. 
Yeah. Yeah, mine too. Jason. Oh gosh. You, oh, you I know, asked it. I know what my favorite is. It's the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but <laughs> I I think I like Bad Taste more than this one. Really? Yeah. Wow. I and it might be because I saw it first. But there's I I don't know I have a I have a lot of fun with bad taste. You have an attachment I, to it. I do. I just love eating green slop. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think I probably lean a little more towards bad taste, but I think it has to do with with seeing it first and the knowledge of the do-it-yourself. Yeah. And the uh, mentality of that movie really adds a lot to it for me. Uh-huh. And makes me feel like the talking, laziest filmmaker on the planet. Talking about limitations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad taste. And the, the camera. Bad taste was shot on a wind-up Bolex camera that would only shoot 30 seconds at a time. And when I learned that, I watched the movie and counted each frame, or he counted each cut, and there is there's no shot that lasts longer than thirty seconds in that whole movie, and obviously it's just a little Bolex camera, so they don't have like a video village or anything, and there's no monitoring, no yeah. monitor to see what they're looking at, and you have those those shots where you know the, Peter Jackson standing over the cliff. And it's this big aerial shot. Well, first of all, they had made their own crane. Yeah. And and then they would just throw that camera up in the air and hope they get the shot. Yep. Hope everything's in frame. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, all the guns uh, were made out of PVC pipe and wood. All the guns in Bad Taster were homemade by Peter Jackson. Yeah. And all the muzzle flashes were just puncture holes into the uh, negative film. Uh, they they actually put holes through the through the film itself to replicate the the muzzle flashes. Christ, talk about coming a long way. Uh huh, uh huh. He made all the masks in his mother's oven. Yep. And the reason why the 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 heads of the aliens kind of flatten off at the top <laughs> is because the oven wasn't big enough. <laughs> yeah, there's some really great behind the scenes stuff for bad taste for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I guess we're not talking about that. And there probably is for uh, brain dead. I mean, dead alive. I don't know that I have even the Blu-ray. Is there good features with it? Do you know? No. Well, I don't have the Blu-ray either. So. I don't oh, right, because it doesn't I just, exist. I just have the DVD myself. What's with the Trimark? Whatever. But he's like restoring, remastering all these early films, right? I hope he hurry up and gets them done, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would like to see like an Arrow release of like Dead Alive or you know maybe even Shout Factory. Any of his early films, and I'm Make talking. I'm even talking up to Heavenly Creatures. Like Heavenly yeah. Creatures doesn't even have oh, yeah, like that, a. You yeah, know, I got a standard DVD of that too. Yeah, I don't even think that's on Blu-ray yet. So I think Dead Alive's on Blu-ray though. I think I think it is. Okay, I, I really do. I think Probably. well, unless somebody you know bootlegged it or I don't know, but I think I've seen it. Yeah, um, I have a bootleg of the New Zealand cut, which is has even more gore than the American cut. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's a scene. Party the only scene Mike's. that I can re- what party at Mike's. Yeah, and it's it's under its original title too, which is Brain Dead. Um. 
which they changed when they released it in the states because also within the year like the year earlier or whatever they that Brian Pullman movie came out called Brain Dead with Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. Yeah, mhm. But uh there's a scene in the New Zealand cut when the party scene starts to starts to go crazy with the zombies. Um the priest and the nurse hook back up. And <laughs> at this point somebody has impaled the nurse with like a broom handle that's shoved all the way through her torso. And of course, the priest already has a hole in him from getting impaled <laughs> on the um on the that's tombstone, right? right? So they're on the floor dry humping, and you all you see is that broom handle going in and out of his back. <laughs> God. I get it. <laughs> Man, this movie's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go go watch it, people. Yeah. So, Emily, it was your first time viewing. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Um... Not really. Lionel's <laughs> eyes freaked me out the whole time. <laughs> True. Yeah. Oh, one more fun fact and then we'll move on. Um, this movie takes place in the same universe as Peter Jackson's King Kong. I was just going to say that Emily was thinking about getting a rat monkey for a pet. <laughs> but then decided but against it after this. My yep. opinion. Yeah. Or swayed my decision. But it's pretty cool he tied those together. Yeah. Right? It's pretty yeah. awesome. It's got the in the there's a crate in the bottom of the boat and the King Kong that says Sumerian rat monkey do not feed. Nice. Yep. Okay, so Andy, what's our last movie? Our last movie is directed by John Landis. It's called Innocent Blood. That old black magic has me in its spell. I could tell you're excited. That old black magic that you weave so well. Those icy fingers up and down my spine. Ah! Hey, what are you, some kind of a freak? <laughs> This guy's lost a lot of blood. You know, he had his head blown off. No, this guy's really lost a lot of blood. Marie had a hunger to feed on the evil. You want a ride? You got one. Michelli's a gangster. Call me Sal. Who's out to take over the city. Where I call you? Marie. Wait, Marie. What he didn't count on was a vampire. Come on, baby. Relax. With a taste for Italian. <laughs> now... The undead. And the undercover. You are under arrest. Are teaming up. Michelli's not dead, is he? Gotta get hold of yourself. To take the bite out of crime. You're gonna be made men. But when you're made by me, nobody can touch you. Welcome to the family. From John Landis, the director of An American Werewolf in London. You lost a lot of blood. Are you sure you don't need more? Don't worry. You're not my type. Innocent Blood. A movie that goes straight for the jugular. 
And the story goes, it's about a French vampire named Marie, played by Anne Paralod. I hope I'm saying that right. She feeds solely on bad people and criminals. Kind of like, uh, she's like a female vampire version of Dexter. Right. (laughs) Um, She uses her sexuality in order to lure male victims. So she kind of, I don't think it really comes out, she acts like a prostitute, but she basically is... Uh, she kind of acts like a harlot in order to like lure these men men in. So uh, one night she feeds on a crime boss by the name of Sal the Shark Michelli, uh, played by uh, Robert Loja, and he gets away and he changes into a vampire, and now he's far more worse than he was uh, uh, before. Uh, and he starts to uh, change all of his mobster men into, you know, vampires because he knows the, you know, abilities that he's getting. Uh, unbeknownst, be, unbeknownst to Sal in the beginning, an undercover cop played by Anthony LaPlega, La, La Paglia? Oh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, is now reluctantly aiding uh, uh, Marie in tracking down Sal before there is any more. Innocent bloodshed. Yeah. 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 See what I did there? God damn it. Um, I, I really kind of like this movie. Um, to me, it's, uh, basically I think what Landis did, it's, it's like a spiritual sequel to American werewolf in London to me. It's kind of like what uh, Linklater did with Days to Get Fused, and then he made uh, Everybody Wants Some. Because uh, now, like, in American Werewolf in London, you had an American in London and then who basically gets, uh, gets chain- changed, and then, like, on the flip side of the coin, you got a foreigner now in Pittsburgh who is, uh, who's, you know, a different kind of you know, monster. And now she's, now she's, she's in trouble. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the same story, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit opposite, you know, male, female, whatnot. Uh, the amount of, uh, recognizable people in this movie is insane. Uh, there's so, so, so many, uh, there's so many horror movies that you see on random televisions in this, you know, between Hitchcock and Christopher Lee and stuff like that. Uh, you get to see Forrest J. Uh, Ackerman get, get carjacked, which is really weird in retrospect because that's how his wife died. Ooh. Y- yeah, yeah, his wife, they got carjacked, like, in, I think they were, like, in uh, Italy or something, and she, the, when, when they got carjacked, his, his wife died because of her injuries, which is kind of weird. Um, you've got, you know, Don Rickles in this, uh, Angela Bassett, Tom Savini plays a news reporter. Uh, uh, I believe you said this earlier in the bonus episode, Sam, Sam Raimi, uh, makes a cameo in this as the, uh, the, the meat man. You have got Dario Argento as a paramedic and he, pet, I think he's petting, uh, Don Rickles head. You're going to be okay. Um, uh, Linnea Quigley, uh, 
pulls off uh, Don Rickles' arm because he's getting burned to death by sunlight, and she screams and she freaking bolts. That was great. And I believe Steve Johnson plays an orderly who I think at that point in time was married to Linnea, but I could be wrong. Um, Jason, why don't you text her and ask her? Okay, hold on. Okay. Um, this is... Uh, it's got great one-liners in it, too. Uh, basically, they're just trying to stop Sal from, like, you know, killing anybody else, but... Uh, uh, Joe, uh, who is Anthony LaPagla's uh, character, he was he was undercover, and he does does not trust Marie like from the get go. But um, doesn't take very long, though. No, no, no. <laughs> She's, she she uses her feminine wiles, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she she uh, not gonna lie, she's very easy on the eyes. Um, I was say right away, full frontal scenes, like, oh, hey there. I know you're not even like a minute and a half in, right? Uh, what well, one thing, one thing that I noticed that she uh, she's pretty damn barbaric when she when when she goes after these guys. I mean, just like like her whole face is like covered in blood. Like all the vampires when they feed in this movie, their faces are just like caked in this shit, and. Uh, but uh, it's her. Her character is a little bit more complex than you like your average. <clears throat> like what she is, she can't look at herself in the mirror. You know, like any kind of mirror. Like she sees that blood on her face, she like automatically smashes it. So, um, I guess. Um, what did What did you? Give? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Before I. Uh, before I. Before I hand it over to somebody else, uh, three things I really liked in this movie. Uh, when Robert Loggia basically says, you know, he's, when he's screaming at you, you know, hit the fucking lights. Uh, that's that's always great. Um, <laughs> and Manny's drunk. Manny's drunk wife is 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 a great character. He ate my Manny. That was almost <laughs> the line of the movie. But I do, I I do like. I do like my favorite line was by not even by like a main character, but uh, Louise Guzman's uh, said some blood sucking super bitch. That's probably yeah. my favorite. <laughs> line. But uh, anybody uh, hop right in. What did you guys think? Don't all go at once. Well, <laughs> I, uh, this is a first watch for me and I love this one. Um, <laughs> not something I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not going to run out, or I didn't go to Amazon and order or anything. But uh, it's something that I would, if it was on like Stars in the middle of the night, I could definitely see myself like stopping and watching it. Uh, I just enjoyed it. I like uh, Landis has a great sense of humor, so there's some really funny bits in it. I love uh, seeing all the cameos in it. I it's such a cool idea of sort of mixing the mob with a vampire. Uh, and you know, having a strong female lead that is taking these dudes out that are sort of dickheads one by one, and like you said, when Savini's on the side of the road taking a picture, and you know they they send the guys after him and that kind of stuff. Like, there's just some really cool ass scenes, you know, and it's it's cool to see like these powerful dudes getting taken down by this uh, petite woman. It's uh, you know, it's just something unique, and I think uh, Landis at the time just had such a a presence and he could he really knows how to make a good movie 
it feels like you had fun making those gags that showed her being faster and stronger and mm-hmm. yeah i it's my first time too and i thought it was okay i i mean i liked it and it was neat um i i only am <laughs> only thinking of the things i didn't like um but the you're you're right. The cast was amazing. It was fun seeing all the cameos. But I, my, I just had a hard time with her and her voice, her her, <laughs> her accent. I mean, it was hard to understand her. Well, she's French, dude. Right, and that was important to the yeah. story. Did she have to be French? Right. Maybe she just is French, and she that's, probably couldn't. You know. Yeah, that's what I would gather. Do an American accent. Uh, it didn't bother me so much. Oh man, I had a just like, and then the most important scenes. I'm like, what the fuck did she just say? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening now. And then, I and then, I think I think if I had to vote yes or no. I liked the eyes, but there were times I'm like, I don't yeah, know. The glow, yeah, the glowing red eyes. Uh huh. Yeah. Which was neat because that changed colors. Even that was cool. Yeah, and they're big and huge and very different than any standard vampire thing. But then the other thing got to me a lot that I would vote no for is the. The growling cat noise every time she yeah went by. it was so a little over the top over the yeah. top and so I don't know I don't know I think it's I Mike had to step away for a second but I since he's not here I'll blame him but when he was telling me about the movies like and and he'll get to it too he just he kind of really undersold it and I was kind of took away maybe some enthusiasm. Just it seemed kind of just your average mobby thing and your average vampire thing and you just mixed together and I don't know. I think um, I will always, you know, God rest his soul. I mean, there's something like really, really good watching Robert Loggia just freak the fuck out like yeah. when he screams. Absolutely. Like, whether whether it's this movie, whether it's, uh, I think, was it uh, Mulholland Drive? You know, uh, I know it's David Lynch, so you probably haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> but, I, uh, but I know, Tad, do you know what I'm talking about? You know? Yeah. He's yeah. just like, I want you to study that motherfucker! You know? Um, you can't bring yeah, up his but, name and not do it yelling. I mean, oh that's, yeah, it's, you know, it's so good. Are, are you crazy, Tony? You know, uh, uh, sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger, kind of. A little bit, right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, uh, like Dad says, I'm getting old. Um, he does. What's say that? That? Oh, oh yeah. Um, necessary roughness, uh, where he freaks oh, yeah. out. You, you rip the heads off and then you shit down the necks. Let us pray. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love when he's you know killed and the mob boss and and then he uh, he's killed and he comes back and they sort of find him and he's he's still just as he's now he's just like a dead asshole 
And they're like <laughs> doing the press release or talking to the press about how he died and stuff. And then he walks behind them and then the, the has the uh, coroner chasing him. <laughs> yeah. And the whole crowd is like, what the fuck is going on? Was that him? Like, he just walked by. <laughs> uh, when he crashes that big-ass Cadillac into, into that meat truck, I mean, just like, oh, Christ. Oh, you know, what the fuck is this shit? You know, he's like frying in the sun because he doesn't know. He doesn't love like the vampire rules. And... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I thought um, Don Rickles was awesome, too. It's oh, great yeah, seeing him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's great in anything. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I was upset when Sal died because <laughs> I like his character. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was kind of rooting for him the whole time. These these have got to be the weakest vampires I've ever seen though. Like if like they get <laughs> they get shot and then boom done you know. Right. Normally like when I see vampires even get shot in the head they're just like yeah and the hell is that supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, but you know that doesn't that doesn't deter me from really liking this liking this movie. Uh, the, the thing is like you know vampire mobsters. I mean that's like. To me, that's even you know, even for even now, I think that's creative. They could have like released this now, but even like like in nineteen ninety two, to me, that's like super uh, creative. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, that even sounds like a freaking exploitation movie, really. You know, vampire monsters, vampire mafia, but the way the way that it's executed in this, I just think it's a it's a heck of a lot of fun. Um, and there's so many uh, tip of the caps to horror in this movie. Uh, just, you know, between, uh, you know, like the cameos and all, all those uh, times. Anytime a TV is on screen in this movie, it's showing something that's horror related, whether it's uh, Christopher Lee, Hitchcock, or like the. Uh, uh, was that that monster movie in the beginning where they they even like the guy uh, Chaz Palminteri's character stops him and he just goes ah I love this part you know and, all right yeah yeah and she has a very creative way of hiding bite marks she just you know shoots him in the face with a with point blank with a shotgun yeah <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> okay I mean oh. she definitely made sure he wasn't coming back <laughs> yeah. He yeah. does. He's gonna be pissed. That's one of the things I <laughs> I liked about this because pretty early on you like realize that you got a whole set of new set of rules and a new set of lore and it was fun seeing what they kept and what was new and that was really cool. Smart of her to do that and garlic did work. Mirrors they were looking in right away. You know, it was just it was. It's always cool to see what they apply to. Each time. Yeah, I, I think this was just fun for me. I love mafia movies, and for some reason, like, if you, it just feels like the 90s were a, a good time for those kind of movies. I'm, in general, like, I feel like even though I grew up in the 90s, it's probably some of my least favorite decade, but um, something about 90s mafia movies, they, like, nailed it. And, <laughs> and this one was... Yeah good too i i just love a good like the old angry dude like italian guys that like 
Andy was saying, screaming and just combining. Uh, when I first started watching that, I thought, did I? Am I watching the wrong move? Like Innocent Blood? Like you know, this is this just some straight up mobster movie? It took me a bit, you know, obviously until the the first kill, but it had it sort of had me fooled. Like I thought I was watching the wrong movie, uh, but when they got to it, you know, I really enjoyed it, and it's I I think. Looking at like the poster and the cover art, um, this is something I've probably seen on the shelf of like every video rental yeah. place when uh-huh. I was a kid, and never watched. But I remember that image of her, the black and the and the bright red eyes, is really cool. Yeah, Definitely. I had seen this. I had seen this uh, years ago, and I was just like, "Oh wow, we get to watch Innocent Blood." I mean, it's just like I was. And as I was watching it, I was just reminded like how how enjoyable this this movie is. I was just like, ah, oh, it was just it was really it was really pleasant just watching it again. I was just like, that and that and Dead Alive, yeah, this was this was a good episode. Dust Devil, not so much, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the these last two, they they were just uh, it was a really good time. Um, a, just a great balance of uh, comedy and horror, just between. Two really different movies, you know, uh, Dead Alive and Innocent Blood, you know. Yeah, just uh, two two gems in my mind. Dead Alive a little bit more more so than Innocent Blood, but still, Innocent Blood is well worth a watch. And Mikey, how'd you feel about that there, Innocent Blood? I, I've always really liked this movie. Um, is it like... You know, the thing, John Landis has always been considered, like, one of the masters of horror, right? But really, he's got American Werewolf in London. You know, he's got a segment for the Twilight Zone, the movie, which, you know, he probably doesn't even want on his resume. Um, And then, like, the Thriller music video. So... So when this one came out, it was like, awesome, another horror movie by John Landis. Um, but it's not, it's it, it's nothing, it's not like the greatest vampire movie ever. It's not the greatest, like, mobster movie ever. It's, it's definitely not even the greatest John Landis movie other, ever, but it's it's a lot of fun. I, I've always had a lot of fun with this. And there's some nostalgia with it for me as well, because... I was living in Pittsburgh when this movie was being made, and and um, we would quite often see, um, you know, filming locations. Um, at, you know, when we would go around Pittsburgh uh, with this one and and, a, and some of the other films um, that were being shot at the time. So it definitely, you know, and and watching the movie, picking out all the uh, all the Pittsburgh um, areas, you know, in the background and stuff is you know kind of a nostalgic thing for me so um but it's got a lot of cool people in it um like right up there when we were talking on the bonus episode about sleepwalkers it's got a ton of cool cameos in it from like um sam raimi to um um tom savini linnea quigley steve johnson who did the special makeup effects um, and he appears in the movie too. And like, speaking of these effects, his effects in this movie are awesome. Like the the burn effect there at the end when um, when Robert Loja is completely encased in flames. 
uh, and his burned face there is so cool looking. I love it. Um, and it's and that's it, that's probably one of my favorite burn gags of all time. A man on fire gag of all time, and him just walking, walking along, completely engulfed in flames, and then like the composite of the flames over top of the close up of Robert Loja's face um, looks really really good. Um, like Robert Loja's guy that I always would think to be very intimidating to meet in person and then make him a vampire. I mean, that's, that's great casting right there. I, I love Robert Loja and I love, um, seeing him in do this, the, the, this part, this like way over the top, badass mobster guy got Don Rickles in there. That's super cool. <laughs> and something like a thing that I find about John Landis as a filmmaker, I think he is the master of um, background reactions. Like, if you go back and watch all of his movies, every single one of his movies has, like, some some minor character in the background that gets a really nice close-up shot of a reaction to what's going on in the foreground of the scene, whether it be they say a line or it's just a it's just a facial expression, and that's why all the stunt the stunt casting in this movie works better than probably in some other films because I think like John Landis knows how to work with those people in those little little tiny parts. With like when Forrest J. Ackman's car gets stolen um, uh, by by the mobster, uh, his little line there about his car being stolen. Um, you know, it's just it's just great, and you know, unfortunately, Ackerman's no actor or anything, but uh, that line's delivered really well. And and uh, Frank Oz, I think, is hilarious in the movie. That scene where um, they're in the morgue, and Robert Loja gets up and he runs out, and there have and there's that press conference with the guy from the police department, and he's like, you know, on autopsy can't. Uh, you know, happen right away. We'll give you more information, and then you see Robert Loja runs by. Then you see the security guard run by. Then Frank Oz runs by, stops, turns, looks at the crowd, pauses for a minute, and then turns and runs off. That little moment, not a single line of dialogue, freaking hilarious. So, um, I, I just really dig this movie, and what a concept, right? Like, uh, vampire mobsters. You know. Yeah, I mean, you said it's not the best vampire movie, not the best mobster movie, but it's probably my favorite vampire mobster movie. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, such a fun, great concept. And just that, that whole line at the beginning of the movie that she says in her voiceover, I think sums up the whole movie of, like, she's talking about being hungry and she feels like um, having some Italian. You know, so... I like the you know the moment when like uh, Robert Loja, you know he comes back from the dead and he can't eat normal um, normal Italian food anymore because it's all full of garlic. I think that's an awesome little thing there tying the two subgenres together. Um, yeah, so this has always been a great a fun movie. Uh, I don't I definitely don't watch it enough. Seems like about every maybe fifteen twenty years I'll come back to it, but yeah, Is that it for innocent blood. I think so. Awesome. 
on that also that also wraps up uh, the topic man um, and you guys have any honorable mentions you want to throw out there for the horror movies of 1992 I don't because I feel like um, we covered a lot of that in the bonus episode and I feel like a lot of them are going to be covered in shout outs so very true very true okay it then was death becomes her yes that movie's awesome too. I got to see. I remember seeing that in the theater as well. The movie's great. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer podcast. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back, and it's time for segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Start off with everybody's favorite shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! Hey, we just asked what everybody's favorite horror movie from 1992 was. Got a whole bunch of responses. Pretty awesome. On our Facebook page, we got our pal Scott Alden from the Movie Defenders. He says, Alien 3, underrated and had a plagued production. Army of Darkness, not really a horror film, but <clears throat> Bram Stoker's Dracula was a great throwback to a classic. <coughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer needs a comedic nod here, too. And then Brian chimes in, and then he and Scott go back and forth for about six or 7,000 messages, <laughs> which I'm not going to read. Oh, go come to, on. Go to, it goes off topic, believe it or not. Well, so well, what's the first thing? At least read the first one Brian says. Alien 3 is the second best entry in the franchise after the original. It's bleak and depressing and a perfect end to Ripley's story. Everything after 3 is bad fanfic. And that, I'm taking that's where it goes from there, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, so that's fine. You can move on. And then we got Brett Royer. Go Attackers. Um, we got Dead Alive, released in 92. In other countries, not released until 93 here in the States. So hopefully it counts. Guess what? It counts. It totally counts, because we did it on it the show. Better, it better count. Whew. Then we got Jennifer White says, As I said in another comment, I'm not... Big into horror movies, even though I love your podcast. She's a smart lady. Just want you to know that. Top of her class. Uh, I did get suckered into watching Candyman with my friend's son. I'm still scarred. So there is my pick. That's an awesome pick. Scarred? Would, like, she cut her finger on the DVD? Oh. Oh. Is it that? But I'm I don't want... Yeah, I don't think it, I'm with you. I don't think it's very scary, but I guess for somebody who doesn't watch horror movies, Candyman's not scary. 
I mean, not it's scarring. scary, like the concept of it, oh. but like, I don't know. I, I know people who totally like consider it one of the absolute scariest, so. Okay. Mm. You don't judge him. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> super we judging. We all just must have bigger balls. <laughs> I yeah. just. I'm just Andy, saying, I'm, Andy grew up in the projects. It's more personal to him, and he uh, was it like Tahini oh. Heights or <laughs> you know Mecca Licka High, Mecca Heine Heine Ho. Okay, moving on. We got Dan Hendricks says <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula went to the theater seven times. Eye candy. Dan's cool. For wh- oh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> then we got Gary Oldman. He's sexy. Sure must have had insomnia at the time. And a- Don and Ellie, our pal over at the Horror Mafia podcast, he says, "Damn, why didn't I think of answering here instead of the Instagram page?" Don't worry, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna read you that one too. <laughs> um, as no one is going to know the glorious insanity that is the Holy Virgin versus Evil Dead. Ooh, I gotta figure what that what that is. You, I don't Don know. Don will that. tell you all about it. Sounds like it could be a Bruno Mattei movie. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. Up, up next Bruno we Mars. No, no. Up next we uh, got a uh, top fan here. We got that top fan badge. Uh oh. Uh huh. It's a uh, Brandy Moore. Hey, I know her. Yep. She Yay. says, "How can I pick just one or two? She's perfect for you." I'll tell you right <laughs> she now. is. So many great movies came out in '92. Let's be careful with the word "great." Uh. <laughs> uh, uh I'm paraphr- I'm adding my own commentary. I'm sorry. Brandy says... Oh, yeah. You do that, and I see the first movie she mentioned, yeah, so and you should apologize. I'm saying yeah. she's dead right. Yeah. She's dead. Yeah, that Andy is so judgmental. He's, he's yeah. one little noise. You, you, wait, you wait until she yeah, sees boy. her... You wait until she sees her second pick. It's atrocious. But the first one's perfectly right. Uh, she says... Atrocious. It is. Terrible. <laughs> I guess I'll throw out Sleepwalkers. Um, it's actually, I got to see it in the theater when it came out. Lucky. I saw it at the drive-in. You're old enough to drive in 92? <laughs> he was. Sadly, <laughs> And yes. then some. Uh, <laughs> and then she says, demonic toys. Now, how is that atrocious? Oh, you've not seen it then. That's oh, good. demonic toys is great. Um, Charles Band, what do you, what else do you want to know? Charles Ben's done some bad, but he's done a lot of good. She says it would also have to be on the top of her list for that year. I'm so sorry. Brandy. No. You ruined it's it. It's perfect. Then we got Chucky Barsick says, in hashtag only, uh, Garbage Pale Flicks and Six Feet Under the Big Top. Okay, and then we got Chucky Barsick. He chimes back in again. And he says, Dead Alive and Candyman, dot, dot, dot. Candyman, dot, dot, dot. That's where he stops, because you don't want to say it too many times. What is it, four? I think it's three. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Then we got... Davis Jr. says it a lot in his song. Yeah, and he's dead, so see? <laughs> Mike, I thought got, it was five it, times. I thought it was five. Was it five? Yeah. I can't remember. Who can make a rainbow? So, <laughs> I should have Mike read the name of this person. He's got, he's got a Sammy Davis Jr. impression. That was good, right? <laughs> what am I reading? Like this person. 
All right, sorry. Go ahead. Are you? Uh, are you kidding me, Kara? <laughs> Kara Nif. Yeah, you got the N V right there. Karen Ver. Karen That's the easiest word. Brad Dunn. <laughs> Gustav. Kroner. Nope, there's no R in the beginning. Okay, I was gonna argue with you that there is an R. Kooner. Yeah, and then that's his Candy pitch. Man. That's not part of his it's name. It's a long name. Karen Veer, Brandon Gustav, Kooner, says Candyman. Okay, then over on our Facebook group, <clears throat> the group edition, uh, we got up first Mike Reeb. Woo! Reebster! Mike. He says, Split Second is not only my favorite horror sci-fi movie of that year, but possibly the best overall movie of that year. Oh, Mike, you said, also love demonic toys. Ah, The totally bodacious Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I know it may be a bit of a stretch, but stay tuned. (laughs) Like, oh, the movie stay tuned? Yeah, movie stay tuned. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) I mean, it obviously dips its toes in a lot of horror, satire, and parody, you know, um... Like like the commercial for Three Men and Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> and, um, you know, Saturday Night Dead with Dwayne's Underworld. and Yeah, it's, that movie's awesome. Thanks, Reebster. Up next, we got Brian Clark with his own comment instead of hijacking other people's. <laughs> he says, I heartily agree with Split Second. One of my favorite movies. I've seen it so many times, I can damn near recite the script from memory. And then Reeb chimes in, and then they continue to recite the entire movie. <laughs> 437 <laughs> comments later, the credits roll. Do they list the credits? No, but they say they go back and forth forever. It's so hilarious. Yeah, that is hilarious. Those two. So Reeb got to hijack his for a minute. Uh, but I bet they had a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> uh, then we got uh, Nick Leadham. He says, man bites dog. Yes. It's great. I've always wanted to see that. It, it's, it, it's really good. Pretty disturbing. A found footage film following a serial killer before the last broadcast and the Blair Witch Project popularized the genre. Yep. Yep, it was first. Candyman. So uh, Dead Alive, Army of Darkness are also amazing. Sleepwalkers and Lawnmower Man are fun too, but I'm not sure you can call oh, them yeah. good movies. Lawnmower Man. Hell yeah. About that. And then lastly in the Facebook group, we got Tina Schmidt. Yeah, that's my lady friend. <laughs> she says top five, you know, because she also can't. Just pick one. That's awesome. Yeah, you two are perfect for each other. I know. Uh, she says five. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it's the top five, and there's six movies in this list. So, f- <laughs> no, four and three. Ty, a single white female in the hand that rocks the cradle. Uh, number two, Raising Cain. Oh, yeah. De Palma. Uh huh. And number one, Lawnmower Man. Mm-hmm. Which I, is Andy's new name that he turned 40. He's putting on those uh, New Balance and taking care of the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, 
And then, so speaking like I've, like I've said before, Tad, you're like the younger brother I never got to beat the shit out of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Over on Instagram, we got Don and Ellie, like he preempted us. He says, Dead Alive, the Resurrected, Seed People, the Holy Virgin versus Evil Dead, and the Johnsons. Simply to mention stuff beyond the obvious choices of Candyman, Army of Darkness, and Dr. Giggle selections most would offer. Yeah, I gotta check out that one. And then over on Twitter, we got a couple. We got the Gore Score Podcast. They're back. Woo, back on the podcast network. <laughs> they said, Candyman scared the hell out of me as a kid, but a guilty pleasure, I got to say, Pet Cemetery 2. Yes, I had that on my uh, on my list too. I really like part two. Yeah, you got um, Clancy Brown. Furlong. You do love the Clancy. Yeah, yeah, Edward Furlong. Before the prescriptions. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Anthony Edwards. He will not do any more revenge. Th- he plays um, the dad. Yeah. yeah. Plays, uh, oh wow. He won't do any more Revenge of the Nerds movies, but he'll do Pet Cemetery too. And then lastly on Twitter, we got our attacker, Patreon attacker, Brian Godsell says, I have to go with Candyman. Tony Todd was amazing in it, and to this day I can't get my 14-year-old to say Candyman in the mirror five times. Okay, it is five times. Aha, uh-huh. thanks, Brian. And that's all we have there for shout-outs, but you can always uh, give us a call, leave us a voicemail, and we'll play your voicemail on the show in this segment. Um, you can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP, and that's shout-outs. But we'll just, try a note to a pigeon. You know. Right, whatever it takes, right. leave those comments. And up next, we got America's favorite segment. You thought maybe I got nothing. It's Insane's Picks! <laughs> Hey everybody, Insane Mike here with Insane Specs. This is going to be one of those that it's not necessarily a, a high recommend for me, um, but uh, um, it's the only it's the only movie that that I've watched lately that will fit into the category of Insane's Picks. And I don't think I've ever talked on the show before about a film from this production company, um, the Independent Cinema. Uh, on the Shakorama label. label. Um, I mean, I think I've talked about some of their um, acquisitions, like some of the couple of the the, uh, the Germany imports that they've put out. But I I've yet to talk about I think any of their in-house stuff. Now they're probably more commonly known for their um, softcore porn parodies, um, like the Erotic Witch Project. Or Spider Babe, <laughs> or um, Playmate of the Apes, um, but as time went on with this company, they tried to get into maybe more, probably what they would consider more legitimate film projects, and not rely so much just on the uh, the sexploitation. Um, and this is one from two thousand three, 
called Screaming Dead, directed by um, <clears throat> directed by Independent Cinema's regular director uh, Brett Piper, uh, who's done a, who did a lot for for them back in the day, and he was also one of the, the one that really tried to maybe cross over more into more serious horror films. The problem being is that um, why those sexploitation films work is because they're over the top, they're silly, they're funny, and, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of nudity to substitute lack of production value anywhere else in the film. Um, so you take that away and not add any of the production value... You not necessarily get, you know, great flicks. But Screaming Dead, it's not too bad. Um, sleazy photographer Roger Neal and three beautiful models take up residence in a reportedly haunted old building um, as a location for the photographer's kind of crazy uh, stunt photography in his Study of Horror series. <clears throat> um... This movie, of course, has also uh, uh, independent cinema's staple um, uh, Misty, Sun Misty Monday in it. Uh, she was kind of their resident scream queen, um, probably because she had no problem getting naked in every film that she's in, including this one. Um, but yeah, it uh, deals with a lot of like uh, a lot of torture. Um, and then there's this ghost that comes and uh, tries tries to kill everybody. Um, but uh, this kind of goes into that category where you know Jason's calling me out about you know what makes these schlock films you know entertaining, but art house movies not. And this is this goes in that category of not necessarily being very entertaining because you know, you know it does have some nudity. It doesn't have any gore. Doesn't really have um, any wacky elements to it. Uh, it and it takes forever before we get to the ghost element of the movie. It is so much. So this movie is so much more about this creepy photographer um, doing his thing for his own, you know, jollies. Um, you know, the acting. You know, and that's the thing. Like. When you get a movie with some bad acting in it, if things are way over the top, the bad acting could be forgiven. But when you try to play it as straight as possible, and you still got bad acting, that's when it really, that's when it really stands out. So, um, it's not the, it's definitely not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I'm not going to give it a high recommendation, but like I said, it's the only thing that I've really had a chance to watch, and I've been wanting to watch more of. Um, Brett Piper's films. I'm kind of curious. He had one of his last ones he did for cinema um, entertainment or independent cinema was one called Bite Me. It had these like uh, you know killer bugs going around trying to kill everybody that almost looked like they took the old Cooties game toy and spray painted it with green latex and called it a special effect. So that one looks really cool. Um, but uh, but Screaming Dead, maybe not so much. But that's it for Insane's Picks. This episode, 2003's Screaming Dead. And that also concludes this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast.
I want to thank everybody for listening, and I want to give a very special thanks to Emily for joining us on the show. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, this has been fun. Yay. It has. I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, and I'd never heard of either or any three of these movies or three movies. Nice. Nice. So it's all new for me. So, so uh, um, if you were to rank them, then what would be your favorite from this from this episode? Um, probably Innocent Blood because Dead Alive was like good, funny, like, mm-hmm. but I probably liked Innocent Blood the best. Cool. Like I said, I liked Sal a lot. <laughs> awesome. And so, uh, and also, if you want to plug your show one more time, that would be great. Oh. I've never plugged my show before. <laughs> well, where, where can people find, find you guys? Um, well, we have our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm trying to remember if we have anything else. But, um, yeah, you could pretty much find us on all... Um, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Just Beauty and the Screams. That's us. Very cool. Emily and Jennifer. Very cool. Thanks again for being on the show. And again, thanks everybody out there for listening. And special thanks to the Patreon supporters. Uh, we won't be able to do this without you guys' support, so we greatly appreciate it. But until next time... You know, uh, 1992 was pretty kick-ass, but 2020 has some great stuff to come, so stay tuned here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh no, could this be the end of... Attack of the Killer Podcast! Attack!